Chapter 12 of the Hollow Tree Snowed In Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Hollow Tree Snowed In Book by Albert Bigelow Payne. Mr. Possum's Great Story. Mr. Possum Tells the Strange Adventures of the Possum Family to the surprise of his friends. Now this, said the storyteller, is the story that Mr. Possum told the Snowden Literary Club in the hollow tree. It must be a true story, because Mr. Possum said so, and besides, anybody that knows Mr. Possum would know that he could never in the world have made it up out of his head. The little lady doesn't quite like that. But Mr. Possum is smart, she says, he knows ever so much. Oh, yes, of course, and that's why he never has to make up things. He just tells what he knows, and this time he told how Uncle Silas and Aunt Melissy moved. You may remember, he said, my telling you once about Uncle Silas and Aunt Melissy Lovejoy, who lived in a nice place just beyond the wide pawpaw hollows and how Uncle Silas once visited Cousin Glenwood in town and came home all dressed up, leading a game chicken and with a bag of shinny sticks and a young man to wait on him, and how Aunt Melissy, instead of being pleased, as Uncle Silas thought she would be, got mad when she saw him and made him and the young man take off all their nice clothes and go to work in the garden, and kept them at it with that bag of shinny sticks until fall. Well, this story is about them, too. I went to live with them soon after that, because I lost both of my parents one night when Mr. Man was hunting in the black bottoms for something to put in a pan with some sweet potatoes he had raised that year, and I suppose I would have been used with sweet potatoes, too, if I hadn't come away from there pretty lively, instead of trying our old plain dead trick on Mr. Man and his friends. I thought right away that Mr. Man might know the trick, so I didn't wait to try it myself, but took out for the wide pawpaw hollows to visit Uncle Silas Lovejoy, who was an uncle on my mother's side, and Aunt Melissy and my little cousins, and they all seemed glad to see me, especially my little cousins, until they found they had to give me some of their things and most of their food, because I was young and growing, besides being quite sad about my folks, and so, of course, had to eat a good deal to keep well, and from taking my loss too hard. But by and by, Uncle Lovejoy said that he didn't believe that he and the hired man, who was the same one he had brought home to wait on him when he came from town, to be his valet, he said, though he got to be a hired man right after Aunt Melissy met him and got hold of the shinny sticks, Aunt Melissy being a spry, stirring person who liked to see people busy. I remember how she used to keep me and my little cousins busy, until sometimes I wish I had stayed with my folks and put up with the sweet potatoes and let Uncle Silas and his family alone. Mr. Possum stopped to light his pipe, and Mr. Rabbit said that he supposed, of course, Mr. Possum knew his story and how to tell it, but that if he ever intended to finish what Uncle Lovejoy had said about himself and the hired man, he wished he'd get at it pretty soon. Mr. Possum said of course he meant to, as soon as he could get his breath, 
and think a minute. Well, then, he said, Uncle Silas told Aunt Melissy that he didn't believe he and the hired man could raise and catch enough for the family since I had come to stay with them, and he thought they had better move farther west, to a place where the land was better, and where Mr. Mann's chickens were not kept up in such close, unhealthy places, but were allowed to roost out in the open air, on the fences and in the trees. He said he didn't think their house was quite stylish enough either, which he knew would strike Aunt Melissy, who was a Glenwood, and primpy, and fond of the best things. So then we began to pack up right away, and Uncle Silas and Aunt Melissy quarreled a good deal about what was worth taking and what wasn't, and they took turns scolding the hired man about a good many things he didn't do, and almost all of the things he did do, and my little cousins and I had a fine time running through the empty rooms and playing with things we had never seen before, but we had to keep out of Aunt Melissy's reach if we wanted to enjoy it much. Well, by and by, we were all packed up and ready to start. We had everything in bundles or tied together, and Aunt Melissy had arranged a big bundle for Uncle Silas to carry, and several things to tie and hang about on his person in different places, and she had fixed up the hired man, too, besides some bundles for me and my little cousins. Aunt Melissy said she would take charge of the lunch basket and lead the way, and she was all dressed up and carried an umbrella, and didn't look much as if she belonged to the rest of our crowd. It was pretty early when we started, for it was getting dangerous to camp out in that section, and we wanted to get as far as we could the first day, though we didn't any of us have any idea then how long a trip we would make that day, nor of the way we were going to make it. Nobody could guess a guess like that, even if he was the best guesser in the world and made his living that way. Mr. Possum stopped to light his pipe again and said that if anybody wanted a chance to guess how far they went that first day and how they traveled, they could guess now. But the hollow tree people said they didn't want to guess, and they did want Mr. Possum to go ahead and tell them about it. Well, said Mr. Possum, we traveled fifty miles that first day, and we traveled it in less than two hours. Fifty miles in two hours? said all the hollow tree people, and Jack Rabbit said, Why, a menagerie like that couldn't travel fifty miles in two years. But we did, though, said Mr. Possum. We traveled it in a balloon. In a balloon? Well, not exactly in a balloon, but with a balloon? It happened just as I'm going to tell you. We went along pretty well until we got to the wide grasslands, though Aunt Melissy scolded Uncle Silas a good deal because he got behind and didn't stand up in a nice stylish way with all the things he had to carry, and she used her umbrella once on the hired man because he dropped the clock. When we got out to the wide grasslands, there was a high east wind blowing, getting ready for a storm, and when we got on top of a little grassy hill close to the wide blue water, it blew Uncle Silas and the hired man so they could hardly stand up and it turned Aunt Melissy's umbrella wrong side out, which made her mad, and she said that it was Uncle Silas's fault, and mine, and that she had never wanted to move anyway. But just then, one of my little cousins looked up in the sky and said, Oh, look at that funny bird! And we all looked up, and there was a great big long bag of a thing coming right toward us, not very high up, and Uncle Silas spoke up and said, That's a balloon. 
for Uncle Silas had seen one in town when he was there visiting Cousin Glenwood, and the hired man, too. Then, while we were all standing there watching it, we saw that there was a long rope that hung from the balloon most to the ground, and that it had something tied to the end of it, a big iron thing with a lot of hooks on it, and that it was swooping down straight toward us. Uncle Silas called out as loud as he could, "'That's the anchor! Look out!' But it was too late to look out, for it was coming as fast as the wind blew the balloon, and Uncle Silas and the hired man, being loaded with the things, couldn't move very quick, and the rest of us were too scared to know which way to jump, and down came that thing right among us, and I saw it catch among Uncle Silas's furniture, and the hired man's, and I heard Uncle Silas say, "'Grab hold, all of you!' and we all did, some one way and some another, and away we went. Well, it was certainly very curious how we all were lucky enough to get hold of that anchor, with all our bundles and things, but of course we could do it better than if we had not been given those nice useful tails which belonged to our family. I had hold that way, and some of the others did too. Uncle Silas didn't need to hold on at all, for some of the furniture was tied to him, and he just sat back in a chair that was hung on behind and took it easy, though he did drop some of his things when he first got aboard, and Aunt Melissy scolded him for that as soon as she caught her breath and got over being frightened, and was sitting up on her part of the anchor enjoying the scenery. I never had such a trip as that before, and never expect to have one again. The balloon went over the wide blue water, just after it got our family, and we were all afraid we would be let down in it and drowned. But the people who were in the balloon threw out something heavy, which we thought at first they were throwing at us, but it must have been something to make the balloon go up. For we did go up, until Aunt Melissy said if we'd just get a little nearer one of those clouds, she'd step out on it and live there, as she'd always wanted to do since she was a child. Then we all sat up and held on tight, above and below, and said what a nice day it was to travel, and that we'd always travel that way hereafter, and Uncle Silas and the hired man unhooked their furniture so they could land easier when the time came, and Aunt Melissy passed around the lunch, and we looked down and saw the water, and the land again, and a lot of houses and trees, and Aunt Melissy said that nobody could ever make her believe the world was that big if she hadn't seen it with her own eyes. And Uncle Silas and the hired man said that of course this was going pretty fast, but that they had traveled a good deal faster sometimes when they were in town with Cousin Glenwood, and pretty soon he showed us the town where Cousin Glenwood lived, and he and the hired man tried to point out the house to us, but they couldn't agree about which it was because the houses didn't look the same from up there in the air as they did from down on the ground. I know I shall never forget that trip. We saw ever so many different Mr. Men and Mr. Dogs and animals of every kind, and houses that had chimneys taller than any tree, and a good many things that even Uncle Silas did not know about. Then, by and by, we came to some woods again, the biggest kind of big deep woods, and we saw that we were getting close to the treetops. We were all afraid we would get hit by the branches and maybe knocked off with our things. And pretty soon, sure enough, that anchor did drop right down among the trees, and such a clapping and scratching as we did get. We shut our eyes and held on, and some of our furniture was brushed off of Uncle Silas and the hired man, and Aunt Melissy lost her umbrella, and I lost a toy chicken, which I could never find again. 
Then all at once there was a big sudden jerk that jarred Uncle Silas loose and made Aunt Melissy holler that she was killed and knocked the breath out of the rest of us for a few minutes. But we were all there, and the anchor was fast on the limb of a big tree, a tree almost as big as a hollow tree, and hollow just like it, with a nice handy place to go in. So, when we got our senses back, we picked up all our things that we could find and moved into the new place, and Aunt Melissy looked at the clock, which was still running, and it was just a little over two hours since we started. Then, pretty soon, we heard Mr. Man and his friends who had been up in the balloon coming, and we stayed close inside till they had taken the anchor and everything away, and after that, when it was getting dark, Uncle Silas and the hired man went out and found, not very far off, where there were some nice chickens that roosted in handy places, and brought home two or three, and Aunt Melissy set up the stove and cooked up a good supper, and we all sat around the kitchen fire, and the storm that the east wind had been blowing up came along sure enough, and it rained all night, but we were snug and dry, and went to sleep mostly in beds made down on the floor, and laid there listening to the rain and thinking what a nice journey we'd had, and what a good new home we'd found. And it was a good place, for I lived there till I grew up, and, if I'm not mistaken, some of Uncle Silas's and Aunt Melissy's children live there still. I haven't heard from any of them for a long time, but I am thinking of going on a visit over that way in the spring, and if that balloon is still running, I'm going to travel with it. And that, said Mr. Possum, is a true story. All true, every word, for I was there. Nobody said anything for a minute or two after Mr. Possum had finished his story. Nobody could say anything. Then Mr. Rabbit coughed a little and remarked that he was glad that Mr. Possum said that the story was true, for no one would ever have suspected it. He said if Mr. Possum hadn't said it was true, he would have thought it was one of those pleasant dreams that Mr. Possum had when he slept hanging to a peg head down. But Mr. Turtle, who had been sitting with his eyes shut and looking as if he were asleep, knocked the ashes out of his pipe and said that what Mr. Possum had told them was true. At least, some of it was true, for he himself had been sitting in the door of his house on the shore of the wide blue water when the balloon passed over, and he had seen Uncle Silas Lovejoy's family sitting up there, anchored and comfortable, and he had picked up a chair that Uncle Silas had dropped, and he had it in his house to this day, it being a good strong chair, and better than any that was made nowadays. Well, of course, after that, nobody said anything about Mr. Possum's story not being true, for they remembered how old and wise Mr. Turtle was and could always prove things, and they all talked about it a great deal and asked Mr. Possum a good many questions. They said how nice it was to know somebody who had had an adventure like that, and Mr. Rabbit changed his seat so he could be next to Mr. Possum, because he said he wanted to write it all down to keep. And Mr. Possum said he never would forget how good those chickens tasted that first night in the new home, and that Mr. Rabbit mustn't forget to put them in. Then they all remembered that they were hungry now, and Mr. Crow and Mr. Squirrel and Mr. Robin hustled around to get a bite to eat before bedtime, and Mr. Possum hurried down to bring up the stove wood, and was gone quite a while, though nobody spoke of it, not then, even if they did wonder about it a little. And after supper, they all sat around the fire again and smoked and dropped off to sleep, while the clock ticked and the blaze flickered about 
and made queer shadows on the wall of the hollow tree. End of chapter 12